Hi, my name is Yasmin Tarehi, and this is Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness, well-being, and spirituality. Today's episode is about how frequency, vibration, and perception can change your life with Penny Pierce. Penny Pierce is a respected clairvoyant empath, visionary author, and popular lecturer and trainer. For many years, she's taught and counseled thousands of people internationally in all walks of life, and she's one of the early pioneers in the intuition development movement, specializing in expanded perception, inner energy dynamics, dream work, and transformation. And I'm so excited to welcome her to the show. She has been the author of a number of books, 10 books to be exact, and a few that I've read, Transparency, Seeing Through to Our Expanded Human Capacity, Frequency, The Power of Personal Vibration, and The Present Moment, A Day Book of Clarity and Intuition. And I won't list the rest of the 10 books, but you can check them out on Amazon. And her website is Penny Pierce, P-E-N-N-E-Y, Pierce.com. And so welcome to the show, Penny. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. (laughs) So Penny, to kick it off, I really loved your books. And honestly, they were so transformative for me in understanding how energy, intuition, and vibration, frequency all kind of came together. And I think for a lot of people, these terms are really um, unknown and kind of difficult to understand. So perhaps we could start just by uh, defining some of these terms. So for example, how would you define intuition and then the terms frequency, vibration, and energy? Wow. Well, first of all, I really love what you said about how they all come together and make something else, you know, which I think is the kind of key thing in what's happening with consciousness today is this kind of amalgamation or synthesis of our different kinds of perception and our different frequencies of perception. But so what were my words into intuition? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I know I asked for a couple of words. So intuition, frequency, vibration, and energy. And you could start wherever it makes the most sense to okay. start. <laughs> I know it's well, a little Well, they're all kind of the same, you know, in a way. Um, I think I have to talk about the left brain and the right brain a little bit just to to frame this because we're so used to thinking from our left brain where everything is all defined and, and finite and, you know, formed and everything. And, and we don't think about the malleable nature of, of perception so much with that, but when you move more to the right brain and into the body and into the heart, and even into the energy field around the body, as you start to meditate, you know, and you let go of having to know everything in defined circumstances, you start to feel this inner penetration of life, you know. And as you do that, you start to realize that everything is actually vibrating. And it's all, you know, eventually you start to realize that it's all in the present moment. Everything is there, everything from the past, everything from the potential future. It's all in this huge, big present moment, but at different frequencies. So when you match your frequency to a certain reality, you would be in it. So is that future or is that just a potential reality of your present moment? You know, uh, it, it changes the way we're thinking about things. 
And so I think a lot of it is is very frequency and vibration are pretty much similar. Do you know? I mean, vibration is the oscillation of of energy. And I personally think energy and consciousness are flip sides of the same coin. So when your frequency or your energy level increases, and, and what I mean by that, it's not like you go at hyperspeed and get buzzy. It's more that you become smooth and refined, you know, and um, elegant. <laughs> and as you get calmer, your, your consciousness expands farther. And you start to encompass more, especially of subtle understandings of things. So the faster you push things, the less you actually know. Mm, wow. Right. So fascinating. So I want to talk a little bit more about that because I think a lot of people might be asking like, okay, so how do I increase my frequency, right? And so mm -hmm. what you're saying is if you increase your frequency, there's more of this expansion. Um, but like in kind of the way that I would logically think about it is that if I was going to increase my frequency, then things speed up. Is that not right. true? Exactly. Not true. Mm. No. And part of that is um, shown in, in brainwave training. Do you know, like as you increase from what is this, the fastest one in the physical world is the beta, which is ordinary reality. And then you go to alpha, which is where you kind of uh, get the, into that hypnagogic state between sleep and waking or dreaming and, and getting into that kind of rubbery state where all kinds of other things are knowable. And then you go beyond that into, what is it, theta and then delta. And the brain waves, instead of being very close and packed together, become very long and, and loose and thin, and you quiet down. And as you do, your consciousness expands to include almost everything. <laughs> you know, it's like you go into the right brain. And the difference, you know, between the left and right brain is the left brain likes to analyze, categorize, define, make rules, uh, make things conscious, which is very valuable. Um, and it likes language. It wants to describe everything. And it's very busy, busy, busy. As you shift to the right brain and move into intuition, you calm down and you go into the quiet because the right brain has no language. Hmm. It is direct knowing. And so what happens there is that you have a, an immersion into the field, the, the unified field, really. Uh, and in that is the collective consciousness, the imaginal realm. You know, I mean, how far does the, the, does the unified field go? It's probably intergalactic, you know, universal. Wow. And if you get really, really quiet, you're going to expand way out and you're going to know all kinds of stuff all at once. And then if you want to bring it back, quote unquote, you have to bring it through your left brain, which like codifies it, you know, and says, okay, this is this, and this means this. But there are ways of knowing that are not described, you know, and as we move into intuition, you learn that it's okay to have certain kinds of visceral knowing or, um, instinctive or, um, you know, just pattern knowledge that isn't necessarily about anything, you know, um, and you have to be comfortable, get comfortable with this, 
But of course, you know, the thing is, we all do it anyway. Even people who are very left-brained, they get absent-minded, right. <laughs> you know, right? We all do this. I call it the round trip. You know, you're in your physical world and you're in your computer and you're doing all these analytical you know, linear thinking things. And then suddenly you space out and you lose track of whatever you were doing. And it, when you're doing that, you're actually accessing data and knowledge from the great universal mind. And then you drop back in again and keep going. And then you might have an insight or some kind of, you know, uh, powerful. Yeah, exactly. So Penny, I want to ask, so how can we increase our frequency and or vibration? Same thing. Um, if we want to access this field and I know in your mm -hmm. book, you give a few exercises, but yeah. I think for people that are listening in who may be new to this, I would love for you to share like how, what are some ways, uh, maybe like multitude of ways that we can, we can increase mm. our frequency. I have so many more follow-up questions, so I will pause there. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. We can go on forever. Um, uh, let me just frame this right in my mind. Um, I feel like we don't need to necessarily use our willpower to increase our frequency. If you just relax, um, the frequency of the planet is increasing. The frequency of the atmosphere is increasing. It's a natural process that's been going on for many, 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 many years. And it is very, it's getting pretty speedy right now. You know, so if you will relax trying and just let yourself drop into the field of the planet itself, of the earth itself, and just accommodate it, you know, let it flow through you. Uh, your in, your frequency will increase naturally. And remember that energy, which is frequency, is also consciousness. So energy and consciousness are like flip sides of the same coin. So if your energy increases, then your consciousness increases to a parallel level and vice versa. So what happens then as the energy on the planet goes up, and if you allow yourself to adapt to it and let go of all your old fixations and holdings, or you would hold yourself back from that, that vibration, um, if you open to that and allow yourself to be fluid, your consciousness will start to open up and you'll have insights, revelations, new, new uh, ideas, new creativities without having to try so hard. You know, so so part part of what I'm saying is, first of all, just relax. <laughs> you know, it's it's not such a big deal that your left brain has to figure out how to do it because it's already happening. Just drop into it. Now, one of the ways you can help it along would be to notice the feeling state when you're in your left brain. And you're in that, well, but it has to be this way, but because I always learned it that way and blah, 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 you know, and, and this is right and that's wrong. And there's a certain kind of um, state of being that is indicative of left brain dominance. And it doesn't feel very good, frankly. It's righteous. It's defensive. It's, you know, tight and kind of cramped and kind of 
if you made it into a noise, it would kind of, kind of sound tinny, you know. <laughs> uh, and uh, so if you get that feeling state and then you contrast it with the feeling state of being like a open, flowing, childlike, joyful, you know, like a kid making a finger painting or something. Oh, let's use the red next, you know, let's do the, (laughs) uh, and and not, not judging and just like whatever comes and it feels just right, not right or wrong. Go ahead, Mm. give it. The criteria for staying in this higher frequency is that does this allow me to stay in my, uh, what I call my home frequency, which is to me, it's the soul in the body. It's like knowing yourself as the soul. Does it allow me to feel compassionate? Does it allow me to maintain my kindness and my creativity and my open-mindedness and my love of surprise and so forth? Or does this make me retract into old belief systems that are boring and actually really too tight for me. And they don't, I don't even believe in these things anymore, you know? So Penny, so the left brain, like when people are kind of dominant in their left brain, is it like more of a fixed point of view that there's like only one way to sort of operate in the world? Cause I, I think one thing that I really loved from your books was not just about accessing intuition, but also about like being able to sort of change our reality. And I think that, Oh yeah. Yeah. That part for me was wild. I I'm, so I want to talk about actually, you know, so the home frequency is really important. And what about the importance of the heart when exploring Mm -hmm. our personal vibration and intuition? Because I I think a lot of people are also very much disconnected from the heart or we're in the heart only when, you know, maybe we fall in love for the first time, but then we sort of go back into our head. So what is it, how do you practice staying in the heart? And and then we'll talk about changing our life because I want to actually spend a lot of time on that. I I find it so fascinating. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Um, Well, I think when you can compare the two states of being that I just mentioned, and be able to recognize, oh gosh, I'm in my left brain. I'm I'm being in that old way of thinking or linear thinking. And that's not really the way I want to be. And then here's my other way of being, which is where I'm really open and, and I'm warm and I'm receptive and I'm generous and you know all those things. And choose that like over and over and over and over again, because we're constantly oscillating back into our old memory pattern of what we were programmed with and what everybody else around us believes. And then we think we have to agree with it versus coming back to our center and saying, but this is what I like, and then choose it. This is a new habit we have to be get into, all right? And that is what causes us to be able to access intuition. It's what allows us to be in that home frequency, which allows the soul to pour through the personality and give us genius answers and loving responses and become more and more transparent, which means non-defensive, you know, and trusting. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and part of that is stopping your internal dialogue. That, that's one of the biggest things you can do is get quiet for a minute. And notice how much you've been talking to yourself in your head. 
you know, or somebody else has been having a dialogue with you in your imagination and you're <laughs> arguing with, with them, it, you know, <laughs> and then, you know, just stop and get quiet. And when you get really quiet, you expand. And then, of course, you come back into your own, you aware of your own energy again. And I think people, when you really feel your own real energy, you love, you love it. (laughs) It's like positive narcissism, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I love myself. I just, I'm, I, you know, and it's not ego. It's just like this childlike glee. And, um, and then you just feel like expressing yourself without inhibition and you trust yourself and you trust the flow. You know, and this is the natural state of the soul. So these simple states, I think, are very important to be able to recenter yourself into. And sometimes um, I, I think there are certain, like, cheerfulness. If you can get yourself from being angry or something into just being cheerful or being sincere, that's another very high state. Sincerity is an amazing state, if you really think about it. It's open-minded, it's present, it, it has a, a quality of honesty to it, you know. And it also uh, sweetness. There's a it, it's not masculine or feminine. It has a kind of um innocence and a kind, you know, I think in, in the East they call it nectar, right? It's um this kind of just lovely, lovely beauty and sweetness and um approachability and so forth. Uh, that if you can get yourself to slide into one of those states, uh, a boy, oh boy, your consciousness opens up immediately. You don't have to go through any developmental process. (laughs) It's just right there. Yeah. You know, it's, I want to double click on that, Penny, because, uh, you know, in my life, I do a lot of creative work and a lot of writing. And I find that if I'm not in the right energetic space, um, what could take me 30 minutes could take me then 10 hours. So it's just like, it's so in- interesting because our experience of time, I think shifts when we are in different frequencies. So I was wondering if you could also speak about that. Cause a lot of people mm. have asked me like, how do you get so much done? And I'm like, I have to get to the right state and then I can, and then I can just, things just start to flow. But if I'm not in that space, I actually, I think it's a waste of time, honestly, to do any kind of work. Well, you're right. And I think that the lower frequencies of consciousness and energy are very much about being engrossed in the three-dimensional physical world of time, space, matter, and especially linear perception. Like, I have a goal, but it's over there. I have to do A, B, C, D, E tasks to get there. It's a lot of willpower. It's difficult. I have snags, blah, 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 you know, and I feel nobody helps me, you know, and I feel sacrificial. You know, the, these kind of, this kind of thinking populates that realm. And when you're in that level, it takes a long time to get anything done because you have all this sort of empty space to cross to get to the next task or the next goal or the next good feeling. But as your frequency increases and you come more from the heart or from all your, you know, to me, the brain is like, you know, it's the, it's the brain, but it's the heart. And it's also the field of energy around you, your aura, your personal field, that's conscious too. 
you know, you start to come from that kind of enlarged, expanded brain, and you have much more consciousness involved. So Penny, what do you do then when you're triggered? Like, how do you deal with conflict? Um, or yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's something I felt like a lot of people, (laughs) you know, will will be in a good space by themselves, but then if they're around another person, yeah. yeah, what is, what do you do? Or just watch the news yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you're alone. <laughs> no, uh, good, good, good question. I think um, this is actually part of, of intuitive development, actually. I think that it's important to be able to recognize these two different states. Like if you're in your left brain, you will feel isolated because left brain is separate from the rest of consciousness. And too much left brain identity creates ego. And ego feels separate from other people. So you don't get triggered unless you feel separate, as though the outside world is bigger than you or more powerful than you, or you've given your your authority, your power to someone else that you think is better than you. You know, and that separation is what causes us to be triggered. But when you just live in, in yourself, and expand your ball, your bubble out to include everything. And one big present moment, everything's all connected. There's nothing inimical then. There's nothing against you. It's all like you know about it, it knows about you because you're in the same moment, in the same time, in the same space. And, And it's telepathic, right? It's not that we consciously always know about everything. But telepathically, we do. Energetically, we do. You know, so so I think when we get triggered, it's the same thing I was saying before about learning the difference between what does it feel like when I'm in my home frequency, when I'm being in my preferred state, the way I like to feel. And I'm in charge of that. You know, I choose it or I give it away. And let myself feel awful because I merged with somebody else who's, you know, not very clear or they're afraid. And so then I become afraid and then I go into polarity with them and and argue or fight or try to get rid of them or one up them or, you know, all this stuff that we do. Uh, So there's two states. We have to learn to recognize them. When you're in your own self and as the soul, you can look at other people and give them space to be who they are, even if they're confused. Let them be where they are right now. That's their process. They're learning. They're evolving. They'll get their own next insight at the right time. (laughs) It's not up to you, you know, and um, and just. In in some ways, just acknowledge, hey, hey, that's an interesting idea, if you know some conspiracy theorist comes up to you and tells you and say, okay, well, it's not like you're wrong. It's just, well, you know, that's interesting. How did you come about that? You know, or, you know, validate it in some way. Mm, Yeah. And then, but not, not kind of push against or. That's it. Yeah. Allow things to be. So Penny, I want to now dive into this space where I think for me, reading your books was so fascinating about changing our life through perception and you reference, okay, there's a couple of things that you referenced that I actually wanted to talk about. So you referenced that we're in a hologram and can shift our perception. Can you explain, um, you know, what that means exactly? Um, 
okay. I, I don't know if we're, I didn't, I don't think I ever said we're in a hologram, but I think that we have spherical holographic perception, which means that we, that the linear perception is a function of low level frequencies, low frequencies where separation is the norm where you perceive separation between forms, uh, between the past, present, and future, the beginning, middle, and end. But as you evolve, everything comes together and joins into one thing, and it's all the present moment. Now, when everything comes into the present moment, your reality, or I call it your inner geometry, shifts. It's not a line anymore. You're not on a line going forward into the future. You're in the middle of a ball where there are millions, billions of potential realities all there with you, but at different frequencies. So if you match your frequency to one of them, you'll have it within minutes, probably, <laughs> you know, or very quickly. Um, so it's not really your future. It's in the moment with you. It's just what frequency you, you choose to vibrate at. That's what your reality becomes. Mm, interesting. Um, and really, time is very different in, in this way of seeing things. And it's easy, fluid, you know. Um, so creating a, a better life is about choosing the vibration you like to vibrate at and then letting go of any yes buts or contractions or ways that, that your left brain thinks it doesn't work. Just stop holding them to yourself and thinking they're real and giving them attention. Because when you give something attention, it becomes physical. If you take attention out of something, it dissolves back into the field. So that's about materialization and dematerialization. So you don't have to get rid of anybody that you don't like. Just take attention out of them and put attention into things you do like and create your field to be saturated with that kind of consciousness. And then people of that level will show up within that field who also share the same consciousness. And then you're showing up in their field. Love that. So, Love that. you know, so part of this is, stabilizing your your vibration your frequency at a level of what okay maybe these are emotional qualities or states of being that are like you know joy self-entertainment i think is a very high state you know that um why are we here we're here to learn how how much fun it is to materialize and dematerialize the physical world you know it's not a place of pain and suffering you know, and as we let go of, I'm, I'm, I'm me because I have suffered. Hmm. Oh, please. I'm so sick of that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so Penny, can, can we, if, if we are in this, as you called it a spherical, can you say that again? A spherical hologram? Spherical, which means that there's a big ball around you mm -hmm. and you, it's like a zoom lens on a camera. When you focus down into the physical world, the ball becomes a little smaller. And when you open up and meditate, for instance, you might go way out. Or when you dream at night, you might go way out into the you know, higher realms. 
And then you're encompassing more and more of the totality of the unified field, which is you. There's no end. There's no outside world. We have this imaginary zoom lens that allows us to have a focus while we're physical. But other than that, there's no limit. So really, there's no outside world. If you think of a new thing, it's already inside your ball. So fascinating. I, I remember, and I read your books a long time ago, so bear with me here. I might get the story mm-hmm. wrong. Okay. It's kind of abstract, but it is also, you know, you can visualize it. Yes. Yeah. Like kind of and sitting feel in a, it. It's tactile. Like a snow globe that goes on forever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I want to talk about, I think one of the stories that you mentioned on how you intuitively saw a reality in your spherical hologram and then decided to change it. Can you talk to us about that experience? Yeah. Um, There are many potential realities floating around inside your big ball. And I I picture them as little tiny bubbles, transparent bubbles. They're all there. There's millions of them. If there's one that's just right for you next, it will start to, I don't know, if you visualize it, it might glow or glitter or vibrate and it won't come towards you a little bit. And then as you put your attention on it, it comes forward more. And the more you attend to it, the closer it comes. And then you can start to feel into it and see what's inside that little ball. And there's like a little movie going on in there. It's like, you know, a reality is in there. And if you keep loving it and having affection for it, it will like you too. <laughs> It'll come toward you. And pretty soon it gets up close and you can almost like put your arms around the bubble and then match your frequency to that bubble and you can move through the, the outer edge of the film of it and go into it and join the movie. And there you are in that new reality. You can let your body feel what it's like to be that way. Let's say to have co-workers that really get you that aren't uh, egotistical. But, you know, it's like this great team that supplies each other with whatever they need or that when you need something, somebody comes up with it and says, oh, hey, did you need such and such? Oh, yeah. You know, it's like easy. So you try that on. And if there's anything that doesn't work inside that little movie, you can adjust it right there and then in your mind because it's in, in the imaginal realm. It's fluid. It's rubbery, you know, and as you really love it and let your body enjoy it and then just sit with it and be with it, it will come closer and closer and sooner or later, but usually sooner, it will start showing up as your reality in the physical world. It will drop in frequency and come to be with you. And it's almost like the molecules you know, reorganize themselves. And suddenly now you have the new car or now, oh, suddenly I have a, you know, a, a better relationship or a better job. You know? mm. And and Penny, can you only kind of control your own reality? And what about the people in your life that you love or like friends and family? All you can do is include them in your sphere and love them and let them feel how you see them. You can see them as souls who are beautiful and competent, capable and gifted. 
but don't try to make them be that way. Just show them telepathically how you see them. And this communicates deeply through to the core of, of everybody when you do that. And it's not manipulative. It's just the honest truth. And I think that helps a lot. But, you know, the other part I was going to say about the holographic part of this is that that every everything, even, even the parts of your brain, there's a center point in every little particle of your brain. There's You have a center, like your heart is a center. All your brain has a center, like the, the pineal gland. Every, everything has a center point. And all center points know about all other center points. Once you get in the very center and resonate from that spot, you know every other center point. That means the knowledge of all life is shared. And that is what's so miraculous, that suddenly this understanding of this giant collective consciousness becomes normal to you. And you don't feel competitive. Uh, you don't feel like you're losing your individuality because you are you, and so is everybody else. And yet there's this commonality. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know? Wow. So, and that's the holographic part of the spherical part, because inside every sphere is a center point. Wow. So fascinating. And how much of this reality do we have control over? I mean, is there is there any data that you have that shows, is it like 1%? I mean, do you feel like, and I mean, oh, I don't know data, but, and I don't know about control either. I think that when you align yourself with your own center and your own, you are the soul, you know, and you identify I'm the soul and I'm creating this personality and I'm here right now, a hundred percent. And somewhere in me, I know what I'm doing and I have lots of help from all the other souls, the billions in, in that group. And everyone is evolving together. And if I need something, they help me understand it and get it and think of it. And then I do it and I give it to them and that helps them think of whatever they need. It's all mutually um, sourcing. And it's an amazing engineering process. Um, so that's happening. And, you know, at the same time, I think, um, I don't know. It's almost like if you would turn it into an emotional state or something, a feeling state, it would be like this sense of um, immense, deep gratitude at the deepest, deepest level that everything you've ever thought of that you needed is already there for you. And that if you don't receive it, you're hurting somebody else, you know, because <laughs> they want to give it, you know, um, you know, so, so, I, you know, when you get into the spiritual realm and you start working with the principles that are inherent in spirituality and you know, universal principles, for instance, it's so harmonious. And there is no such thing as fear. There's no shoulds. There's no negativity. It's a perfect fit. Mm. Wow. You know? And why not? Why can't we live that way here? Why can't we bring that knowledge into the physical world? Nature works that way. You know, we can do that too if we weren't so fixated on separation and fear. So, can we have intuition when when 
we are in a state of fear or anxiety. Because I think a lot of times people will say, oh, I had this intuitive feeling in my body, but they're like in a state of extreme fear, <laughs> you know? Right. And I'm just like, I think that intuition has gotten like a lot of incorrect attribution to things like right. body trauma or, you know, kind of past traumas. And so I think that's just been what I've heard from folks who've said, oh, I have this like intuitive feeling, but it just feels, if you look in their eyes, it's just, they're filled with fear. Like it's overriding the intuition is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think again, this is a, a part of the practice of noticing what you're noticing, which is, you know, a mindfulness practice, but I think it's the most important intuitive practice that you can do is, and again, the biggest thing is noticing the difference between left brain dominance, which creates fear. And the soul consciousness, which is present and in each moment knows what to do. And you don't have to think about it ahead of time and have a plan. But in each moment, something perfect happens. But if you're stuck in the left brain and in needing a formula, you know, to deal with danger, for instance, um, you're not in the moment and you can't find the best way through it. So you have to be able to discriminate between the two things. And that means we can't, because um, I think we all have this kind of tendency to enjoy um, the titillation of adrenaline, <laughs> if you will, <laughs> or commiserate, commiserating with other people who are in misery, you know, and, 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 and feeding that tape loop of, pain and suffering and sacrifice and that that's who we are and we're noble because of it or it's real that's what's real pain is what's real mm, yeah and it's so interesting because like the left brain like you said is the way towards the ego and a lot of times when people have like very loud thoughts or loud scripts like oftentimes that can also be um mistaken for things like you know intuition like that's something i've also heard too is the ah yeah yeah um well yeah just because it's almost like the way we revere people who are super egotistical and dominating and think they're they're smarter than i am you know they make a lot of money so i must not know what i'm doing or you know whatever but but i yeah um just because something has um, that high intensity vibration doesn't mean it's true. Mm. It doesn't, it's not high frequency actually. Right. <laughs> you right. know? Yeah. Just because it's loud, it's not high frequency. Mm. Fascinating. So um, Penny, I, I want to also uh, talk about, I think you, you, uh, give an example in the book about changing a reality that you didn't like. And, and then after that, I'd love to talk about the figure eight, uh, in your book where there's a, a part where you mentioned that, um, a lot of people get stuck in these like lower, like the lower part of the figure eight and they feel, and then like, they kind of can stay there for 10 years or one day because they think that's just going downhill as opposed to like the figure eight, which moves up. Yeah. So I'd love to talk about those two things. Like one is like an example of how you shifted your reality um, when you didn't like what you saw. 
mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. you did that, <laughs> and then the figure eight. Okay, well, let's talk about the figure eight first because um, part of what we do, because when we get in fear, you, you go into um, opposition polarization thinking. And then imagine the diagram is like two arrows pointing out from the center in opposite directions, right? There's no meeting in the middle. <laughs> it just goes in opposite directions. But if you turn that that into a figure eight, you can go out to the end of the separation and then it actually turns. And there's a continuation of flow. It doesn't just stop at the outer edge. It actually turns and turns and turns and turns. And it starts to flow back in again toward the center point, the meeting point where there's unity. And then it goes back out again to the other side. And then you see how things can look when they're separate. And then it turns and turns and turns again. And it comes back into the center point. And this is the way we live here in the physical plane. (laughs) You know, where we are uh, creatures of oscillation. Nothing is ever the way it is all the time, you know. Uh, we can't make rules, although the left brain would like to make rules and and lock it down. But no. And so, can you share maybe an experience that you've had, uh, or even just something an experience that you've worked with with another person, just so the audience can kind of understand that um, in the real world? I had. A, I think this is. I'm not sure what experience you were talking about, but I had a my kitchen redone. I had the cabinets redone in my kitchen, and the man who did it did a really terrible job and charged a lot of money, which I paid him as a deposit. And it was so bad that I couldn't continue. And I stopped the job and called in some other, you know, cabinet makers. And they said, there's no way we could fix this. We have to start all over. And so we need to bill you all over again for the amount of money that it was. And it was going to be like, you know, over twice as much as I had paid. And I was so angry at that first guy. And then I thought, you know what? He learned his lesson. I learned he was very stingy with the way he bought the, the materials to do the work. And then I was being cheap, kind of, in a certain way, of wanting the best price for the, you know, all mm-hmm. that. And so after that finished, I just, I, I let go of my anger. And I let it continue. And I talked to these cabinet makers and I hired one of them and paid him what he asked. And he did a magnificent, beautiful craftsman-like job for me. And it turned out so beautiful. So I it it the money wasn't important. The money came back in another avenue, you know, mm-hmm. and but I I learned to, I don't know, be discriminating, be generous. Um, trust, really trust my gut because I hadn't really trusted the first guy a hundred percent, but he had a good price, you know? <laughs> so that was, that was a good lesson for me, but I didn't just stop it and stay angry. Yeah. Got it. So you just move through it and like, look for a different reality or solution. Yeah. And, and I let them, let the other man be with himself and be the way he was and without laying judgment on top of him because telepathically when we do stuff to people they feel it Mm, yeah you know so I decided not to do that to him 
Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, Penny, can you talk to us about, um, I think one of the things that you talked about in your book are these like short exercises, like knowing yourselves exercise, or maybe some way that our audience can drop in to experience like the shift of energy in our body. I invite you to, to walk us through that now, or we can just direct people to your book. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just think it would be awesome to, to give people something to, to think about. Well, there, you know, quite a few, there are four main books and they're, each one of them is a progression along the path in the transformation process. So, um, so they really should be read probably in order. That would be the intuitive way, frequency, leap of perception, and transparency. But to the the thing I like the best to do is the diamond light meditation, which is mainly you imagine you have your diamond light self you know, and he or she, whatever you are, it looks like you, but zero blockages. You know, that person is like your perfect self with no fear, no darkness, no shadows. And they come behind you, put their hands on your shoulders. You adapt yourself to their frequency. You kind of raise up to I always think of it like glossy diamond light or alpine air or something super fresh. Um, and let them then, once you've matched the energy, you let them slide inside you from the back to the front and settle down inside. And so like there's a diamond light brain that goes into your physical brain, a diamond light eyes that go into your physical eyes, a diamond light vocal cords, diamond light lungs, you know, every single part of your body has a diamond light counterpart that is a perfect form for you. It has no fear, no blockages, no wounds. And you let you go, you scan through your body and you let those parts take over. You have diamond light cells inside every cell, you know, bone marrow, you know, whatever. Wow. And as that happens, you just say, you know, I don't know what I need to do next, but you do. And so please show me, just educate me, just return me to my knowledge of who I really am and, you know, return my cells and my organs to their perfect functioning. And let go and surrender, fall into it. And as you do, what the funny thing that happens is that you suddenly realize, hey, I'm the diamond light body. I am this. Because it's the soul, really. It's the sim symbolic representation of you, the soul. And now I'm here. And I can help all my little parts. I know, I know what's going on. I know how I know what harmony is. I know what I'm here to do in this lifetime. And it takes a little while in the beginning to go through it. And if you do it for a, a while, and then if you expand also your diamond light out beyond your skin into the field around you, then you create your field based on that same frequency. But after you've kind of gone through this bit by bit, it's almost like you can start to do it very rapidly, almost like turning on a light switch. And now there you are, and you're looking out from behind your eyes, and I am present 100%. Hmm. Wow. It's an amazing process. 
I'm doing that right now and it feels amazing. So just to shift into this. Um, um, and I'm wondering, can you also feel that when you're talking to someone and they shift? Oh yeah. Can't you? You can yeah. feel, you can see yeah. it in their eyes. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And then you can also feel it when people are not in their bodies. Absolutely. That's... And we all know that. We know it. We read people's energy all the time. Right. And, you know, you know, if people are lying because the words don't match with the pictures in their field. Mm, yeah. You know, we, we read pictures and it, it, it's like, we always know, you know, but we don't trust it. That's another thing about our intuition. You know, we know a lot. <laughs> mm, right, right. Wow. So, uh, Penny, what sort of things have surprised you the most on this journey? Hmm. I think early on, you know, that you can't tell a book by its cover kind of thing, that a lot of the people who seemed to me to be unevolved or uh, derelict or whatever were some of the wisest people, Mm. you know, and, and, you know, to, to, match the outer and the inner to to see through the outer you know and people who seemed very powerful really were very scared or you know that kind of thing and and learning to look to the core of someone and see who they really are and then that allows you to feel a lot of compassion for them and understand their vulnerabilities and as that happens all the falseness melts away so that's that's been very very important for me i think and but surprises um i remember another time where i was i was you know i used to be like i want to know every kind of flower i want to know every kind of this or every variety of this or that you know <laughs> like as though if i could encompass all the versions of something in my mind i would become wise and I guess I was meditating one day and, and it's kind of like a voice said, just give it up. You know, you don't have to know all the versions of anything. Don't even bother because it's all already in you and whatever you need to know will just come up. So there were these ironic things like thinking that I needed detail was the opposite of knowing of, of being wise. Wow. You know, and there were a bunch of things like that that happened to me, like thinking that I had to be um, enlightened to find that it would be if I were really clear and enlightened, it would be very hard to find a partner in life. Mm. And they said, no, it's easier because, you know, they stand out. Mm. Wow. <laughs> That's, you so, know, it was like, oh, so gosh, great. huh. You know, these were like principles of consciousness that that I started to understand about, you know. Wow. So uh, is there any kind of new insight that came out of the pandemic for you when it comes to the space? Like, have Mm -hmm. you had any kind of new ahas um, from the last couple of years? Yeah. Yeah. Um, To me, oh gosh, there's a couple of things. One is that I had this kind of vision that I, I already knew what was going to happen on the earth and that and then when the pandemic happened, I thought, oh, of course, this is one of the strategies that are being used, you know, to get us into a global consciousness. 
And, and so I was like, at the end, working backwards, looking at the how things were going to progress, and then recognizing those stages along the way, which was, that was really shocking. And then, um, but also that the need for us to be quiet and to get away from the constant distraction and socialization and escapism that we do um, has been profoundly uh, effective. Although people are still resisting it, but they haven't really found the value in the depth of, of it or the creativity that's inherent in it, you know, that, but it's, it's a, an, un, uh, what's the word I want? Um, unfathomed gift or something. I'm not sure that's the right word, but um, so that, and also that somebody said, like, if you're anticipating a problem in the future, like for me, like getting COVID, um, then fix it in the present. Like, I don't have to, I don't worry about getting COVID because I'm taking care of everything right now, right now, right now. And I'm not um, in the reality of uh, dying of something like that right now in this lifetime. It's just, I don't hold it. And I take my precautions and I do what I need to do. But, um, but that thing about worrying and projecting a reality uh you know, that we think is going to happen, you don't fix it later, you do it now. Yeah, right. I love that. Oh, amazing. Penny, I would love to have you on the show again so we can dive oh, deeper into these, <laughs> these topics. Yeah. I feel like there was just not enough time um, in this hour together, but um, what's sort of your main takeaway? What do you want to tell folks uh, as the call to action and where can people find you? Are there any resources that you can point folks to in, in order to learn more about you? Well, people can find me, of course, at my website, which is just my name, pennypierce.com, but it's, of course, spelled funny. So P-E-N-N-E-Y and then P-E-I-R-C-E on Pierce. Um, but also I have a lot of clips and stuff on my YouTube channel and SoundCloud channel that are there for free and uh, I think pretty good. Um, so, and then I have a courses page on my website now with, uh, a lot of the things we've done online I've made into courses. So those are all available, but takeaway, um, I'm not sure. I mean, <laughs> takeaway, uh, yeah, maybe like, what do you want people to do right now to cultivate their intuition? <laughs> um, just drop in and be present as much as possible. Notice what you're noticing and develop that skill of having the, the, the ability to notice when you're in a contracted reality or an expansive one, mm. you know, and, and be able to choose your preferred state because the way you feel is up to you. The way your reality works is up to you. It's not, nobody's going to do it for you. It's what you choose to vibrate is the way your reality will perform. Amazing. Penny, thank you so much for your time. This was so enlightening. I have many more questions, so I'd love to have you back on the show. We could 
dive uh, deeper in and even talk oh, about yeah. your time in Japan. And yeah, so oh yeah, this will be this is part one, <laughs> part one. All right, uh, that sounds great. Yeah, it was so lovely. And for our audience, thanks for joining and for listening. In this episode, we learned about how to harness the power of your intuition and instinct with Penny Pierce. And you can tune in to Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness, well-being, and spirituality. Thanks again.